Quarter Rest with Jody Echo is available on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Pocket Casts, Overcast, and just about anywhere else you might listen to podcasts. Our website is quarterrestpodcast.podbean.com. Follow us on Twitter. The handle is at Podcast Rest or on Facebook at facebook.com slash quarterrestpodcast. If you want to get in touch, feel free to email quarterrestpodcast at gmail.com. Keep it civil and I'll probably respond. The following audio presentation has been classified as humoristic, irreverent, and celebratory of the arts. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome back to Quarter Rest. Today, joining me for an interview, I am very pleased and privileged to present Andriana Chabot. Andriana is a Burlington, Vermont-based singer-songwriter, actor, musical theater actor, in fact, and an old friend of mine, to boot. So today we're going to be talking about her music, her life, and everything in between. We will live, we will love, we will laugh today. Hopefully in that exact order. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Joe. <laughs> Thank you for being here, Andriana. I might keep this after all. Yeah, I'm kind of liking it. That was great. I really liked That was the best intro I've ever had. Thank you. I'm very, very flattered to hear that. So, Andriana, I uh, I would like to start off by discussing some recent events. See, you and I have been in communication during the uh, preparation for doing this interview. Uh, we, in fact, did an interview, and due to technical snafus uh. that I will not go into... We had to scrap it because the audio was, well, it was foobar. It was a disappointment. It was quite the disappointment. So we're back, and I think this is going to be even better. I hope take so. One. Yeah. I believe so. But since then, I mean, last time we talked a bit about the gigging situation. Right. As a result of COVID-19. Mm-hmm. And I still want to touch on that. But since we last spoke, you have actually done some real meet space gigging could you please tell us a little bit about that it's true i have um so i was talking about the duo um which is a piano duel um we me and josh glass joshua glass um he's also another singer songwriter um we get together and we play our own songs we play each other's songs um and uh, we are also accompanied, accompanied usually by um, an amazing drummer called Andrew Bedard, um, super talented. And yeah, we played a gig not too long ago, actually, this past weekend um, for the 4th of July. Um, outside, of course, with precautions, we had masks. Well, not while we were singing, but everybody was spaced out. Everything was disinfected. It was 
actually a wonderfully safe experience. It was great. And beyond being safe, was it a good show? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that, it was. <laughs> that goes without saying, of course. Of course, even though we haven't actually been able to practice for about four months since our last show. Um, we kind of just clicked, kind of cleared the cobwebs, and, and it, it just settled, and we found a groove, and it was just so wonderful to actually jam with someone else. Um, yeah, and, and people were so grateful for us also putting on, you know, a, a bit of a show, too. So that was great. So how many people were in attendance, in estimate? Yeah, I mean, the first day, um, all of our, our little picnic tables were full up. Um, I would say cool. perhaps 20. Um, but Saturday was a, a private show, about seven people. <laughs> it was exclusive. Okay, so these are not uh, Madison Square Garden numbers, but no, I would imagine the feeling of being back in front of an audience and jamming with another human being, yeah, uh, who you aren't quarantining with, yeah, it must be pretty fulfilling. Must be pretty nice. It was wonderful. I, I mean, I've been playing to the wall for the past, you know, who knows how long, and. Having someone actually reactive in real time, uh, mind-blowing. Yeah, yeah, I would imagine. So was there pretty good feedback from the audience? Did they seem, were people into it? Yeah, it, they were. I, I wish we had our drummer there, but um, it just seemed like people were really appreciative um, to just get out and do something. We had a double date, you know, sitting in the audience once, a few friends from college, you know. it was It was a nice... It was a nice moment. And is this the first of more to come? Like, are there other planned events? Planned events? Not exactly quite yet. Okay. But there have been promises of perhaps in the future, you know, if things don't go downhill. Um, yes. The big if. Yeah, exactly. Uh, everything's up in the air right now. So perhaps, yes. Hehe. <laughs> Okay, so you're being a little bit coy about it, but it sounds <laughs> as though there are probably future gigs coming down the pipeline, which is great. There are talks. I frankly did not expect anything to be happening quite yet. Um, although, you know, talking to people all over the place, you really do get a picture of how different the guidelines and restrictions are in different places. I mean, the mm. the pandemic is really very unevenly distributed in terms of the hotspots and also in terms of how the various local governments are responding. Oh, In yes. some places, they're responding quite diligently mm. and strongly. And in some places, they've just sort of galloped back to reopening. Right. Seemingly without a thought. Yeah. It's, it's terrible. I mean, it's hard in the beginning to just kind of tell everybody that you're grounded. But... I mean, it, in the end, I'm I'm really lucky to be where I'm at, and um, the fact that there's a lot of space here, um, and the fact that there's a fair government here to give us the information that we need. Uh, yeah, it's it, that is the reason why I was able to play a show this past weekend. Now it wasn't normal at all. I mean, <laughs> it was of course very far from normal, but um, it. it I'll take it. Yeah, between no show and a show. Right. 
I suppose a show will usually win. <laughs> yes. Most Correct. musicians are like that. It's <laughs> kind of funny. So you're you're in Vermont, obviously. I, you know, have connections to Vermont, but mm. do not live there. What what is the the situation on the ground like in Vermont? Are cases going down? Are they going up? At this point of our interview, um, they are barely going up. Um, okay, so they're going up, but not too badly. Right. Like, it, it's, I think we had one case this past week. Um, everybody's been very diligent um, as far as, like, masks and distance. Um, lots of dis- disinfecting rules as far as going back to work. Um, I am actually working, I was working at my home for quite some time, um, and not even, like, a grocery store trip was exciting to me. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think a lot of people that was a similar situation, you know, it was, it was the same for me yeah. for a few months. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm still working from home as well. Oh, nice. Um, I, yeah. I wish I still kind of was, but, um, <laughs> we have made it back. Um, and it's, it, there are certainly more things to kind of take into account, uh, as far as routine goes, daily routines. Um, and that sure. includes just intense disinfecting. Oh, someone's coming around the corner, masks on, you know, like mm-hmm. things like that, that are, are definitely out of the ordinary, you know, like I'd, per, I'd, I prefer eating outside to, you know, in a small office now, um, things like that. Yeah. Well, and that's the nice thing about summer is you can go outside more. It's true. And apparently outside is relatively safe compared with inside. Yes. So in terms of transmission of the virus. I guess because of the sun and because of, I mean, Wind. when you're outside, there's generally more space, right? You, you yes. sneeze and it's going to go out into the air and not get, you know, not land on some kind of plastic surface, which someone else will then smear their hand <laughs> on. And yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll end it there. Um, <laughs> so this is nothing like the kind of frightening climb that we're seeing in in some parts of the country not at all which is it's it's honestly terrifying and i think i think people are really in love with normal and and getting back to normal quicker more than which i understand yeah it it is understandable you know like nothing is going to change my world like i don't want to change for this thing that we can't even see you know, that's, right. that's such a default, you know, kind of human thing to even kind of think about. And it like being in a tense pandemic for like four months, like that's, that's like, that's too much. That's tiring. That's exhausting. Like, oh, I want to go to the beach. Yes, I want to. But I don't know. I guess, I guess I'm, I, I like to be cautious about things. See what happens. We will see what happens. But I'm glad to see that Vermont is still faring well. I think throughout the pandemic vermont has done very well it helps that it's a small state it helps that the population is low although really i mean if it weren't for the good measures it doesn't matter what the size of the population is population density maybe right because there's less interaction what can you do yeah 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 but still i think uh i think vermont deserves some credit for doing a good job of keeping them things under control yeah well, anyway, so back to your gig. Well, we're, we're, we've kind of talked about the gig. Yeah. Um, 
could you just spend a little bit more time talking about this dueling piano duet with uh, Joshua Glass? Certainly. Yeah. So we've got this really cool thing going. It happened about a year ago um, where, oh, maybe it was two years now that um, I started to want to kind of reach out to fellow singer-songwriters, get inspired in a different way, see what other people are thinking, you know, writing about, playing, um, style-wise as well. Um, and so I, I went to the manager of Nectars and I asked if, you know, perhaps a songwriter circle was a possibility um, or a songwriter night. Um, and they were able to grant me a night. Um, so I was busy kind of scoping through some peeps on, on Facebook and, and other places. Um, and I came across um, one guy um, with a great Jufro and um, a lot of also incredible songs. Um, perhaps even more importantly. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps. <laughs> um, and so I, I was like, wait, what, what's he doing now? What's, what's he up to? And, and he seemed inactive for a little bit. And I was like, what? Uh. So we, I, I actually reached out to him and he was interested in the songwriter circle and he hadn't done anything in a little bit. Um, and he was great on stage. He, he was wonderful. We had a blast that night, went by swimmingly. And ever since then, we kind of casually, you know, nerded it up with um, songwriter, you know, garble and, and, and things like that. Um, and, you know, processes and, and instruments and our favorite artists, all that fun stuff. And as a joke, once uh, we were like, I think there was some kind of back and forth on Facebook um, and we jokingly brought that kind of concept of like dueling, like dueling banjos, but dueling pianos. Ha ha ha, aren't we clever? And then that sarcasm led to, oh wait, actually that would be kind of cool. And oh, that would be kind of cool. Wait, you're serious? You're serious? Oh great, awesome, let's actually do this. Um, and, and it turned into this piano duel that we have today. So speaking of Joshua Glass, I happen to know mm -hmm. that he has a, a, a new release, does he not? It's true. He has a new album called Smile Off the Clock. And there's a special guest on this album, is there not? Oh, oh yes, that's true too. It is me. It is I. <laughs> so actually, I would like to play for our listening audience the track I've Got Nothing to Do featuring Andriana Chabot by Joshua Glass from the album Smile Off the Clock. Let's give it a listen. It's feeling like Broadway, but I know it's just one act. Forgot all my medicine, can I have your jack? You came a little early under-rehearsed. They say this tiny room's a tiny bit cursed. Let's get away before we find out who's on first Whatever your game is, I know you're on top of it Whatever the catch is, I've run out of thought to give Now I've forgotten everyone on my lines You took a look at me and said you don't mind why don't you come on over later if you're in class? 
summer we sat back and watched it burn Before constellations remind us that it's our turn I had to stick around and ask them when I'd ever get a chance to see you again You told me honey that was now and this is then Except love everything about you, everything about you And I've got nothing to lose But loving everything about you, everything about you Did Joshua write this song, or was there any collaboration involved? No collaboration, but this was one of my favorite songs to sing, and um, he commented that he he really liked singing it with me, and my vocal interpretation um, when we were playing it uh, really helped him breathe new life into the tune for him as well. Um, okay. So we had fun with it, and then he asked me if... I could be on the track as well. And I was like, you know what? That would be fun. And that was the first song that I actually collaborated via the internet with. Okay, so this was your first experience creating a song or tracking something and just doing it remotely instead of with some kind of face-to-face interaction. Correct. Wasn't in a studio, just me kind of stumbling through how to do that and, and sending him wave files and waving from afar as well. And was how was this experience? Was it easy? Was it difficult? There was some troubleshooting. I am not a natural with music tech, but I did learn a lot about it. So it forced me to do some stuff. <laughs> um, and I actually ended up having fun um, and, and kind of uh, climbed out of my uh, red light fever in certain ways. Red light fever. I don't know what that means. It's like when when you press record, you sound terrible, but when you don't have the record on, you sound amazing. Gotcha. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> as soon as you hit the record button, it's like you forget 
what instruments are. Right. <laughs> what are music? What is sound? So this actually, this collaboration actually started as a live thing then. And it's only through that that he ended up asking you to appear on the album? Yeah, exactly. When you do your next album, do you think Joshua might make a cameo? Oh, well, that would be the uh, polite thing to do. Um, but perhaps. No, I... I so no, it's uh, not going to happen. No, never. Um, I mean, I would certainly consider it. If there is a natural way to incorporate him, I will absolutely say yes. I know that I admire his uh, soloing skills, so perhaps that's what I'd bring him in on. <laughs> that could be interesting. No spoilers, though. I don't know. I don't know. So I'd like to... We're going to be discussing some of your recorded work we're going to listen to some of it as well so your last ep came out came out in 2014 yes that's been a while and i assume you have some new material that would appear on a future I do. album yeah maybe we'll even hear some of it mm-hmm. i think so maybe one so before we talk any further about music that nobody has that nobody listening to this has actually heard (laughs) let's give a listen to the first track this is the title track off of andriana's ep cascade so this is the first song also titled cascade let's give it a listen
I really like this song, and I think it, it it's a really good opener for the EP. Hmm. I think it just it, it sets a mood early on. Thank you. With that piano at the beginning and those very dramatic chords that they're playing, hmm. uh, especially when the bass line kind of comes in, like the piano bass line yeah. comes in. It's It starts really setting the mood. Um, and then there's all this electronic you know synthesizers and stuff so firstly i would like you to just tell me about this song how it was written when it was written any background about it and then i want to talk a little bit about the some of the technical stuff not the technical stuff but i want to talk a little bit about the arrangements on this ep but first tell me about this song yeah um that song was one of the first tunes that I wrote in a very short amount of time. And it was a few weeks before we actually recorded it at the studio itself. Um, And I slapped it all together and finally got a concept for the EP due to the title. Um, Though not uh, one for one, that that was actually written a few days before the album. Um, I had never done something that last minute before as far as musically. Um, so it, it, I mean, it, it, it really speaks to me as far as uh, soundscape wise, because the piano is such a vast instrument as far as just tones. Um, Absolutely. I mean, even the strings themselves, every single one has a different thickness. So, I wanted to mm-hmm. take advantage of that scope completely with this one because, uh, I mean, one of the one of the lyrics or one of the, yeah, one of the lyrics in the song is "Find your way, um, just find your way, renegade in the cascade." So I wanted to capture that huge dynamic range of the piano, um, and one of the lyrics in the song is, you know, "Find your way, you renegade in the cascade," and I wanted those sounds to surround those lyrics as well as dynamically and vastly as possible. Yeah. The song has a a definite bigness to it. It sounds very, very epic, very grand. I I rather like it lyrically. What's going on in the song? There's the refrain. What do we know? What is this in reference to? Yeah, I mean, I I say all these statements in the verses, um, kind of trudging. There's, you know, society's climb. There's a quote from Shakespeare in there. But when it all comes down to it, what do we really know? I mean, as as a human species, you know, we can can look up at the sky and, and, you know, take into account, you know, astronomers and what other people have have said we've got other types of science we've got health as well um all of these things that people have said uh well you know in the end what do we actually know about ourselves and about our lives there's always that Mm. uncertainty kind of underneath it all um that i also wanted to to capture in this one okay so the lyrics are not terribly straightforward i guess no i mean they can be i mean no no they're not (laughs) that's a good thing that's a good thing i'm not saying that is a bad thing at all so that's interesting let's talk a little bit about this record that you made 
now, now that we've heard a little bit of it and, and, and we're, we're going to listen to a little more. Um, but this does sort of set the stage for the rest of the album. And it, the rest of the album does sound relatively similar to this. I mean, arrangement-wise, this is kind of what you can expect for the rest of the songs. I would agree. Which studio or where did you record this? So this was at um, OERT, which is a recording studio in... Um, in Ontario, but I also took a trip to Nova Scotia to complete the album as well. Um, my, I had a really great team of, of people behind me um, who are also artists that you can check out on, on the credits of the album. Um, but primarily, uh, Sean Bisson, um, he, he has had a long history with supporting the arts in, in some form of, or another. Um, but he was able to get me free recording studio time because he was teaching there. And I was like, absolutely, I'll just pay for the plane. Great, wonderful, let's do it. And we spent a week. Um, the mission kind of became, it, I think it was his kind of mission in a specific way. But the challenge was to not use guitars um, at all on the whole album. So an album with no guitars. Correct. Yes. It doesn't sound like it would be that difficult, was it? Well, I mean, I was very used to having a guitarist always back me up live, um, to a certain extent at least. But, and, and I never really went into the world at that point of synths, so it was mostly up to him what he wanted to create with what I was bringing to the table with my songs, which was very interesting to me. Hearing that second interpretation, you know, to a, a pair of ears, <laughs> a new pair of ears, I suppose, um, was quite refreshing to someone who's been huddled up in her in her hole, just like playing, <laughs> playing my own tunes for myself and, and screaming at the wall. Um, so that was very wonderful to hear. Um, I think it, it kind of went along the lines um, of when Peter Gabriel did his album of only covers and he wanted to do it without drums. So mm. I, think, I think maybe it was semi-inspired by that. I'm not 100% sure, but... Um, well, it's that same idea of creating a constraint. Right. And then sort of seeing what creativity can come out of having to play within those rules. Yes. Which I think is something musicians sometimes like to do. I mean, it's it's Peter Gabriel's done it. Others have certainly done it. Mm -hmm. A lot of composers mm -hmm. have done it. And it sounds like it was successful. To be frank, when listening to this album, I never really noticed the lack of guitar. That's incredible. Uh, That's so which cool. Which is a good thing. I'm, and I'm a guitar player, and I love yeah. the sound of guitar. Um, I love piano, too. Synths, it depends. I, I like them a lot sometimes. I find them annoying at other times. I mean, I guess any instrument is like that. But <laughs> synths, there, there are like so many sounds a synth can make, and some of them are really pleasant, and some of them aren't. <laughs> what, like those? I love all those, but uh, <laughs> it's all about context. Right. So these songs, you were, let me see if I'm understanding. You were playing them live with a band? 
sometimes? Um, occasionally, yeah. Um, and I sometimes had my brother, Julian Shabbat, accompany me. Um, there was also a few other people who uh, had some input. Um, but mostly you can, you can check out the credits of the album. Um, there, were, there were some guest percussionists on the album as well. Um, and also another Sean, um, which I'm blanking on his last name right now, but he also helped out with some synths and he is a, an amazing electronic musician to begin with. So that inspiration definitely helped as well. Did you do the electronic uh, arrangements or were these done by other people? They were mostly done by others, but I definitely needed to, I mean, approve them in some sort of way. Yeah, um, of course. It, it got run by me. Um, there were a few. I now I don't remember. It's been quite a quite a long time. Um, but there were a few sounds that I tweaked myself. Um, but all all the you know the grand piano playing was was moi. So these songs that you were used to playing them a certain way, they got transformed into something else in the studio. Oh, absolutely. Is this a sound? that you would have chosen like if you had just gone into the studio by yourself and had access to whatever players you wanted and were doing all the arrangements yourself would it have sounded different than this that's a great question and i don't know if i can really answer that i don't i don't think i would have come to a close conclusion even now when i'm playing around with with synths um, and and certain things nowadays I'm I'm not reaching the same conclusions so I would say no um, these guys just lifted it to another level that I would have never imagined that's actually very cool what are your musical influences that is also a great question um, I was definitely very inspired by Regina Spector for a very long period in my life um, but I've also for quite some time been inspired by Sarah McLaughlin, Rufus Wainwright, um, Anais Mitchell recently. Oh, and also recently Jacob Collier. Mm, wonderful. Um, Amanda Palmer, Ben Folds, a little bit of Lucius in there and mm. yeah, a lot more, but that those are kind of my, my main inspirations, I would say. And in terms of the piano, Oh. Are there any piano players or styles of piano playing that have worked their way into the way you approach the instrument, either when you're writing or when you're performing? That is even more difficult because piano in itself covers so many genres, can be in so many genres. Um, I can... I can be very stereotypical. I love me some Chopin. I love me some Nocturnes by him. Uh, Mendelssohn thrown in there. Maybe some Rocky just for my um, my rockin' edge. Um, That's Rachmaninoff? Yes, Rachmaninoff. Um, and uh, I mean, maybe a little bit more contemporary. I'm, I can go to Bill Evans and, and people like mm. that as well. But again, that's a very light influence. I mean, it's it's something that I just kind of started listening to. Um, like jazz piano? Yeah, yeah, a little bit of jazz piano. Hmm. Um, you could do worse than Bill Evans. <laughs> okay, good. Well, speaking of piano, I think we'd like to hear you play. 
Are you sure? I'm absolutely certain. I ain't no Bill Evans, though. (laughs) I guess we'll start it off with some galaxy eyes. Oh, 
So this song is obviously filled with space lyrics, stars, galaxy, and so on. Yeah. (laughs) What's going on in this song lyrically? Were were you trying to, I mean, I, I, I assume it's not literally about galaxy eyes. Not that I even know what that would literally be. Um, well, I was watching the dramatized life about Stephen Hawking. And that kind of got me set down on a path of how remarkable this man was, how what he contributed um, just by sitting in his chair and, and just being ridiculously smart and and caring about the topic that he wanted to focus on and um that inspired me i didn't cry by the way didn't didn't even shed a tear um um that inspired me to kind of think about the vastness of the galaxy um and the the vastness of the galaxy in terms of how interesting a human being can be, I suppose. Um, And based on that, uh, it would be incredible, you know, if, if I were to imagine, you know, being in the same room next to this, this person, um, or any kind of human being who has contributed so much and has so much going on within themselves. Um, And I also learned some some Mm. incredible things about irises and how every single iris um, of a human is different, kind of like snowflakes. That's and that's why iris scans work. So that's actually much more literally about space than I was expecting. I thought this was all an extended metaphor for something else, but I like it. I mean, it kind of is. I mean, it's it's yeah, it's the layers and and the vastness of I suppose even the human brain. Were you playing with like an electric piano sound or is that just the way it's translating through? Ah, that is a great question. But yes, I am. It is an electronic piano sound. Um I have this wonderful SV1 stage vintage um Korg keyboard which has even like a little amp inside of it, a tube amp inside of it. Um and it kind of is supposed to it's, it's like half analog, half digital, and is trying to, you know, kind of bring all the samples of real vintage instruments in one. So instead of going for a grand piano, you're going for more of a, well, an electric piano. Yes. Electric space. Yeah, I was going to say, is that to, is that to capture the space vibe, the space age kind of feeling? I think so in a way. Um, also, I... I think this one is more appropriate on the keyboard um, with this sound. But if I were to have a grand piano in front of me, this actually sounds great, especially when I, I do the... And then the... It, uh, provides, it provides a lot of depth if you, if you get that grand piano behind you, but... This will do for now. So this is a newer tune. Yes, it is the last tune that I wrote before my year kind of dry spell, writer's block. Ooh, when was that? Um, it was a year since two weeks ago. Okay. It's It's been a while, yeah. All right, I want to play another tune from your EP, another studio track. 
This one is the fourth track. It's called Stumble. Let's give it a listen. Oh, 
stumble again I'll stumble again I'll stumble again I'll stumble again I really like the piano in this song, and I like the rest of the arrangement. I I, I feel like this is a more piano-heavy song. Oh, absolutely. Than Cascade. Was that intentional? Well, this type of piano playing, I'm not sure where it stemmed from to begin with. Um, I, I, I don't think I've ever really played even a contemporary classical tune that has, you know, the repeated hitting of the keys. Um... So I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure. I, it just kind of happened. Um, it's it's certainly a different tune than Cascade. That's for sure. As far as piano arrangement wise, yes. Yeah, thicker, kind of heavier piano, and more of it. Yes. And a little bit less of a uh, reliance on the synthesizers and such. For sure. So obviously, COVID has sucked. Um, <laughs> That's an understatement. For a lot of people in a lot of ways for sure. and for a lot of reasons. Yeah. But I know for some people, it's also been an opportunity to maybe refocus on things that are important or spend some time honing creative skills. And, you know, that's only for those who are able to financially and have the mental health of course. state to do that, of course. Um, have you found yourself sort of making hay when the sun shines, like taking advantage of just the disruption of uh, of daily routine to maybe like uh, dig your fingers in creatively in a way that you wouldn't have been able to? In some ways, yes. In other ways, it's done the opposite for me. Sure. Um, I threw out my, my dry spell there for about a year since Galaxy Eyes. Um, I found myself not being able to write songs, being a little bit too logical about um, some of my lyrics and a little bit too logical with some of my chord progressions to the point of overanalyzing and getting frustrated and not producing anything. But at the same time, I was able to pick up some hardware to bring me a little bit of different in inspiration here. Um, so I, I invested in a looper and I also invested in um, a bit of like a, a drum pad production hardware type thing. Um, and one, the, the looper is the, uh, the boss uh, 707. Oh, pardon me, the 505. <laughs> And um, 
the we don't want the boss people uh you know writing to us and sending death threats yes oh my goodness the rc505 boss looper um and then i also picked up an akai professional um during this time and financed them (laughs) since i was on on you know slightly lesser hours as far as work goes but it proved to be a wonderful investment. That electronic inspiration that I had briefly heard with that IEP album, Cascade, was basically all in front of me and to, to a certain extent. Um, and I'm still, it's, it's another instrument. The looper, both the looper and the production hardware, it is an instrument to learn in itself. Could you explain what a looper is? Oh, certainly. Um, so you'll see some street performers have them, but it's basically a pedal that kind of has a button that you push and it starts recording. And then at a certain amount of bars, it loops back and plays immediately what you have just played. So, it, you know, you can be like, do, 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 do. And it'll repeat the do, 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 do. And then you can record another track going, do, 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 do. And then you can layer them and stop them and build huge chord progressions or, or not, or you can stay in the same chord and, and just kind of layer on top of it and have fun with it. Um, and you can, you can record anything as far as voice, you can do piano, you can do anything that you can put a mic up to. So it can also be pretty goofy. So street performers like these because it allows one person to make a really layered and big sound. Absolutely. I've heard some interesting instrumentals, um, even with like didgeridoos providing bass kind of rhythm lines. It's, it's great. What made you decide to get in on that? Well, honestly, I had heard about them for quite some time and... Now that I didn't have any musician friends to record me, (laughs) I decided to kind of bite the stick and uh, purchase some things that'll make me learn a little bit more technical aspects of music so I can record for myself and I can do scratch tracks for myself and, and play around with things on a more symphonic kind of level as well, other than just me playing in a room alone, you know, screaming at a wall voice and piano. Um, So yeah, I made the leap and I I certainly don't regret it, but I'm still learning. I'm still learning. So personally, when I think about loopers, I think of instruments like flute, violin, you know, solo instruments uh, that you can record and then you make it sound like it's instead of just a violin, like it's a string quartet, instead of just a flute, it sounds like a symphony of flutes or whatever. Or using it with the human voice, so like one person can basically make themselves sound like a choir, sing over that, uh, beatbox on top of it, whatever the case may be. With piano, that's interesting because a piano is already an orchestra in a box. I mean, a piano is already such a such a big sound. Do you think there is room though to extend the piano with looping? Is that something you kind of want to play around with? Or are you mostly using it to loop your voice? So far, I think I'm still in the learning process to really be able to determine, you know, the answer for you properly. But um, I think that there are 
interesting ways of, you know, with with especially my 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 vintage stage piano here, um, to layer different types of vintage sounds and you know use that baseline and and then layer some piano on top of it and and maybe you know i am not of a technical caliber enough to do something specific but then all of a sudden this looper i can hear it and i can actually physically play it whereas you know it could have taken me you know months and months and months to practice that technical lick that I wanted to do. But with this, I, I think I think it'll open many opportunities. Do you feel comfortable performing something with the looper? <gasps> oh, I I think we can we can throw something together. Yeah. All right. Do you have a song in mind? Well, the one that is ready for you right now um, would be Not I, another tune from the EP, but it's the remix. So All right. keep an open mind.
give you a fade out there. That's something I can't do on the keys. No, it's not going to be like that. So that's cool. And I wasn't expecting like percussive stuff. And I mean, that, that, that felt like I was listening to a fully produced arrangement. Ah. Well, that is my first attempt at, you know, remixing one of those tracks. That's my I, uh, next project. And you programmed everything? I did. I did. I used the wonderful um, synths that came with the Akai Force, um, and, and that inspired a lot. And, and the samples, too. You get a lot of samples, a lot of tunes, a lot of sounds, things to play with. And is this inspiring you to write more music? Not quite yet. I'm, I'm really still learning. I'm, but, I mean, again, I mean, two weeks ago, I did write my first song in a while. So perhaps... You know what? Perhaps, Joe. The new song, is it uh, similar to this or? How did you know, Joe? We did not discuss this beforehand. Yes, actually it is. It's, it's a little bit more romanticized, I suppose, than some of my other, other music. Yeah. Let's talk about Vermont. Uh, or specifically, let's talk about Burlington. That's where you're based. That's where you, uh, I would say, do most of your gigging, but obviously... We're referring to, uh, let's pretend COVID doesn't exist. What is the Burlington, like, what, how do you feel about the Burlington scene? Well, firstly, there are a lot of opportunities to collaborate, especially with something a little bit experimental, something new that you're a little bit uncertain about. There are a few venues that, you know, if you give them enough of a pitch, they'll be open for you to have that experimentation and to develop that, that new idea um, in front of a live audience. So say if you wanted to do a piano duel. Yes, exactly. And you've never played out before, and uh, certainly you've practiced, obviously, but, you know, you don't really know audience response quite yet. This is definitely a great place to do that, yeah. Are there any venues that stand out for you as particularly fun to play? Fun to play. Well, there's a newer one called Delhi 126 that goes along with the, the duels aesthetic, a little bit kind of underground, um, 1920s-like, kind of that kind of a club. Um, Got kind of a speakeasy feel? It does. Red velvet couches, such swank, you know, things like that. Great bartenders there as well they mix really great drinks um very classy drinks you know um, how big of a venue is it i've never been oh i i would i would recommend it it's it's i would say i mean it's it's not the size of a, a dive but there's the cool part about it is that there's also a bit of a deli attached to it um so sometimes they do make you know appetizers and snacks um, but there's two separate rooms that are kind of semi-open. Um, so there's the performing area, which seats perhaps, I would say maybe 35 um, tops. And then there's kind of an exterior bar area where you can still hear the music, but it's just not as loud. Um, and that would probably seat maybe another 30, something like that. So it's intimate, but nice. I was going to say it's an intimate intimate experience are there any other venues you particularly like well um one place is radio bean that's where i you know was able to kind of develop my own sound as well um that's always a classic place to play around burlington 
Um, but another kind of small place, but very intimate. Yes. And very cool. Yeah. Like it's a, it's just a cool place. It's so hip. It's, it's so hip, cool. and there's often good music. Yeah. I mean, almost every time I've been there, there's been something really good playing. I mean, if you don't like whatever's on stage, you can wait an hour and something else completely different will show up. Exactly. And a lot of touring bands actually like to make their stop on their way to New York or on the way from New York to Maine, um, just as like a warm up gig. So we get a lot of really great acts here, not just at Radio Bean, but a lot of other places too. It's true. So we get a lot of bigger acts at higher ground. Um, There's Nectar's as well, which is one of the, maybe the oldest venue in Burlington, I'm not 100% sure, but I, I don't mean, know if it's the oldest, but it's definitely one that has been important for a long time. For sure. Yeah. I mean, there's actually like a Fish album, you know, when, like Fish used to play there a lot. Right. Obviously, <laughs> I know people in Burlington are probably sick of hearing and talking and thinking <laughs> about Fish, but they're kind of the hometown band that got quite successful. Um, but they played at Nectar's a lot. And, and one of their albums is called A Picture of Nectar. Hmm. And it's about the, the owner. Oh. I mean, it's a, it, the, the, the album title is a tribute to the owner. I didn't know that at who, all. Whose name was Nectar. Oh, what? Really? Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, I don't think he owns the place anymore. No, probably not. I think, I think his name was Nectar Roris, but I, I, I could be wrong. Nectar Roris. Mm. It's a cool one. I hope, it, I hope that's actually his name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. Burlington does have a lot of... Not huge, but nice venues that biggish and even pretty big acts yeah. will uh, will hit sort of, as you said, on the way between larger locations when mm-hmm. they're going on tour. Mm-hmm. And it's also, I think, usually a, a pretty appreciative audience. Oh, for sure. I think so. Uh, hey, we didn't have to make the huge drive to Montreal or something. Exactly. And do you find like audiences in, in Burlington are pretty good? Oh, they're probably the most chillest bunch ever. I would, I would definitely say that. Um, I mean, you're not going to get a lot of hecklers unless you've got some kind of rowdy group. But usually those rowdy groups are totally there for the music and for something new and, and for, you know, like helping local artists, you know, find something special. So uh, there's a lot of great support here as far as that goes. Though, on the flip side... I, I find that a lot of um, bands that focus on nostalgic type sa- sounds, um, I mean, I have a vintage stage amp, but you know what I mean, like like just classic rock or, or blues or um, even a little bit of bluegrass uh, tend to be a little bit preferred here just by, by a little bit more of the masses um, than a little bit more of, you know, that experimental, maybe hipster sound. Um, indie kind of thing okay so you think that there's more of a taste for nostalgic music in burlington than for envelope pushing yes i think so r.i.p 242 could you explain that a little bit actually oh well i mean there's there's it's a hole in the wall that was treasured by many hardcore slash experimental slash any anything but but mostly like punk so 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 just for a second so there used to be a venue in in right downtown called 242 Main, which was also the address. And it started as, I, I do feel the need to to uh, to provide as much context as I can with this. 
It was started as like a youth center. It was actually started uh, by Bernie Sanders when he was mayor of Burlington. I also didn't know that. Wow. And I call myself a Burlingtonian. You see, you gotta you gotta get more enmeshed in the local lore. Mm. No, but it's true. This was created in the 80s, I guess, mm-hmm. as like a youth center, a place where, you know, young people could go. Uh, you know, as an alternative to smoking crack or whatever it was people were afraid that teenagers were going to do. But it really became like a, a magnet to a lot of, yeah, hardcore, punk, metal, experimental music. It was a cool place. A little a little bit of indie there at the end, too, I think. It was, I remember being a teen and, and going there and being absolutely blown away by the talent. And it's pretty much literally a hole in the wall. Oh, yeah, it's a tiny venue it's a cave a tiny venue but you can actually you could pack a surprising number of people in there and man i heard some great music in there some really great music and the sound wasn't bad it wasn't great but it wasn't bad and but it was just a cool place to play the atmosphere was amazing i think that was everybody getting together for that kind of i i always felt as though i had so much adrenaline when i was there exactly and and the atmosphere the ambiance was just uh you couldn't describe it even it was it was incredible it was electric did you ever play 242 no i i never got the chance i wasn't enough of some kind of musician at that point um <laughs> i mean and and i certainly didn't have a band so right. no but i mean i i heard really great rock shows punk some of my friends were in hardcore bands that i was like oh this is beyond the sessions that i heard of you guys in the basement this is this is a lot about audience participation here and audience interaction this makes sense now so again rest in peace 242 i want to talk about acting because you're an actor why don't you tell me a little bit about that what kind of acting have you done well um i started uh, trying out for the high school musical. I tried out for, for I auditioned for Chicago um, against my parents' wishes, actually. Shh, don't tell them. Um, but they found out, and um, out of the kindness of their hearts, uh, they, they, let me, they let me do it, especially since I got cast as the Honyak, um, the Russian ballet dancer who was eventually hung, unfortunately. Um, no spoilers. No spoilers. Well, actually, yeah. spoilers. <laughs> Whoops. Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> hopefully, you know the the story of Chicago by now. But um, yeah, I mean, I was I was so into that show way back in high school, and ever since then, I was I've been trying to get into whatever I could, no matter no matter what it really was. Um, I mean, later on in my life, I've been a little bit more subjective and a little bit more picky and choosy, but, um, you know, developing as a person, I think that's, that's what it comes to. Um, but yeah, I've, I've done a lot of things at, I've done a lot of shows, productions at Stowe Theater, um, and also, um, a few, um, pit-based things with Lyric Theater, um, And I was also in a cabaret for them as well. Um, And in college, I was in a lot of uh, one-act plays, student-written plays. Um, One of the profs there also 
wrote his own musicals based on um, sometimes, well, mostly mostly rock, uh, mostly rock bands, um, kind of centered around certain themes, um, Shakespearean productions, uh, fun things like that. How do you think uh, acting impacts the way you approach music? Do you think there's any hmm. connection? I absolutely think there's a connection. Um, no doubt that there isn't, that there is. There's no doubt that there is. Um, I mean, the way that I write songs or melodies, I like dramatic flair. I like that dynamic range of the piano. And if I can incorporate some kind of emotion, even into a melody line, um, the way that we form a sentence, the way that we form a phrase is quite similar. Um, then I, I definitely try to go in that direction with it. Yes. Do you think you incorporate storytelling in your lyrics? To a certain degree, yes. Um, I'm not at the point of a storyteller such as Anais Mitchell um, and her recent um, epic musical, uh, Town or anything like that quite yet. But I think I am on the route there. Um, I've already found characters within some of my some of my songs. That's for sure. I mean, Galaxy Eyes is not extremely about me um, <laughs> per se. Um, it's it's based on a lot of fictional things. Uh, yeah, and I mean, not I. That's probably the same thing too. Very cool. Uh, do you have any acting work on the go? Obviously, COVID is uh, <laughs> is a reality, and, and I don't know how much stage acting is taking place right now, but... Not much. That's for sure. Was there anything um, on your horizon? There was. Uh, speaking of things online instead of, you know, in person, Sondheim recently... Stephen Sondheim recently celebrated a birthday and actors from around the world uh, sang one of their favorite Sondheim tunes. Um, I remember and that. And one of the shows, yeah, it was great. It was amazing. And one of the shows that I was due to be in this past summer, basically in a month from now, um, was um, A Little Night Music. And what were you playing? And... I was cast as Desiree, which is a dream role of mine, basically the female lead. My first like real female lead in Vermont that I've ever received or had the pleasure of being able to interpret. Um, and then it got canned. So yeah, it got canned. Are they going to bring it back? Well, they were hoping for October or, oh, wait, just kidding, not October anymore. It's up in the air, um, but I believe next summer, that's what we have our sights set on so far. But who knows? And which, uh, which company was this? This one was for Stowe Theater Guild. Okay, that's Stowe, Vermont. Correct. Pretty touristy so town. I would imagine yes. they bring in a lot of tourists to go see the shows. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's it's a wonderful way to kind of end a night of either hiking or going through through the uh, the boutiques and shops on that main drag there. Yeah, I, um, I may have sounded like I was making fun of it, but like 
I went to Stowe for my honeymoon. Like I got married in Vermont and then just spent oh. a couple days uh, with oh. my with my new bride, uh, you know, just hanging out in Stowe. It's a really beautiful place. And if it you're is. if you're into the outdoors at all, not a bad destination at all. Fresh air, amazing scenery and and the walkability is great. And then you can end the day with a little night music. There we go. Which show is that? I, I, I'm not as familiar with that one. Um, well, A Little Night Music is based on a group of friends meshed in with some acquaintances of, of theirs, but Desiree's kind of the, the center, um, and one of her long-lost lovers, who's a little bit older than her, um, comes back after a while, and she realizes after a life of, you know, being an independent woman... Um, and, you know, engaging in whomever she would like to engage with. Um, she realizes that he is now getting married to someone severely underage and very innocent and very naive. And she realized that this guy who has appeared, um, she wants to settle down with for real and change her life. And he is a little bit more hesitant let's just say how's the music oh it is intricate sondheim knows how to write for characters he he knows how to phrase he knows how to speak what the character's motives are and do it doing it eloquently and also at the same time musically uh the chord changes are are ridiculous and and descriptive and complicated it's going to be a challenge, actually. It's going to be a step out of my comfort zone because I'm not a classically trained um, vocalist by any stretch of the imagination. So hopefully I'll, I'll be able to work up to that level before whenever it goes up. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Is, is, that, is that the one with Send in the Clowns? Yeah, yes. Is that a Desiree tune? It is. It's one of my favorite songs. It's a good one. Would you be able to do it? Oh, it's a jazz standard. Um, I, I can try. I'll, I'll give you an excerpt. All right. I don't want to give it all away either. You know, just, just a little taste. Isn't it blue? 
Adriana Chabot, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. This was amazing. It was a lot of fun, and I think take two was even better than take one. I'd agree. I'm glad this happened. Thank you. Me too. Adriana, where can people check out your music? Oh, in lots of places. iTunes, Spotify. My name is spelled A-N-D-R-I-A-N-A. Chabot, C-H-O-B-O-T. And uh, you can check me out um, also on my website, andrianachabot.com. Um, and soon enough, I'm probably going to put up a live stream on Facebook and Instagram. So um, keep an ear out for that as well. And eventually, someday, as Desiree at Stowe Theater. Beautiful. Well, we look forward to it. Thanks again. <laughs>